As the children are heading back, I want to take a moment to uh, uh, introduce our guest speaker. And some of you know him, uh, especially those of you who are connected with InterVarsity for a while. Uh, his name is Sean Froling, and he's here today uh, with his wife Ashley and their two sons. And so we're so blessed to have them uh, in our midst today. Uh, Sean and I, uh, our time overlapped on staff for a while. We were actually a part of the same uh, InterVarsity group as students uh, at University of North Florida, and Sean came on staff uh, a few years after me. And Sean, uh, I've always loved and had a lot of fun with Sean. We were joking around last night, uh, remembering about how uh, uh, when we were at like stressful staff gatherings, we would like swim in the pool in between, uh, uh, in between sessions and like have contests as, as to who can do the most somersaults under the water, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So that just gives you a little window into, into me and Sean's relationship. But Sean, uh, Sean is, uh, is a, um, a gifted um, evangelist. Uh, he's a healer. He and his wife, um, Ashley, really have a gift for healing. So blessed to have them among us today. And uh, after he preaches, uh, Sean and Ashley, during communion, um, will be in the back. If you'd like to receive prayer from them, I, I like highly encourage you to do that. So um, let me pray for Sean. So open the word for us. <coughs> Father, thank you so much for the chance to reunite with this brother, with this gifted, anointed minister of God. Open our hearts to hear the word you want to speak through him today. Um, Father, thank you for um, lots of fun <laughs> over the years with Sean, but Lord, thank you also that I've seen you do profound things through this man, and we pray that you do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Taylor. <clears throat> um, wow, it's great to be here. Uh, it really is an honor. I mean, I mean that. I think that's probably a token thing that people say when they are invited to a church. But um, it's really an, a, a genuine honor to be here with you guys. Um, and uh, it's good to see some familiar faces and longtime friends who I haven't seen in a long time. And um, Ashley and I recently celebrated our seventh year anniversary. Um, and we are <laughs> we're so we're so like yeah I don't know enthralled I mean who who we are and uh, who we are in the Lord I mean we were shaped in the same time that um, Taylor was in leadership in, in the campus ministry we were in in the same college and um, followed his ministry Taylor coached me and when I went staff at the university for I was there for five years he coached me for a, a, st um, a stint there and. Um, and that's great to see that Chris and Taylor never age. I don't know if you guys ever noticed that. <laughs> like, we got here and I was like, hey, I know, I know you guys because you, I saw you yesterday. Um, even though it's been years. Look for the smile lines. Yeah. <laughs> we are getting those, those crow's feet. Is that what they call Yeah, that's right. Um, I want you to know that, that we pray for your church. Um, we, we, uh, we love what you're doing here. We love the vision. Um, we love the... Um, the commitment and authenticity um, and realness in this church, and we we've never been here, but we can feel it and we know it just yeah by the people that we trust who come here. Um, I feel like I'm kind of part of this church, even though I've never been here. Like I said, I've never been to a service, um, but you know I listen to, to many of the podcasts, and it's really fun to like when John preaches to hear Taylor still mic'd up and he's like, mm. <laughs> yeah. and then like uh, and I can hear Claire laughing all the jokes. It's really <laughs> So yeah, we we love uh, we love that we're actually here because you know I, I'm I'm there virtually somehow, um, 
But I'm also excited to share with you today what I feel like God's put on my heart. Um, I feel like God wants to speak powerfully to people here today and speak also gently to hearts. Powerfully and gently to our hearts today. Um, Let me just pray for us real briefly. And if you would, uh, just open your hands and invite the Lord to speak to your heart. Lord, um, have your way in our minds, in our hearts. We open the door of our hearts for you in the deep places of our being. For we know you are good. In Jesus' name. So um, Taylor invited me to uh, preach from the gospel reading today, which is from Luke. And um, uh, it's coming around the heels of the Emmaus passage, which uh, I listened to the podcast that John gave last, last week, and he, uh, he basically told you what Jesus said, which I didn't know could happen, but that was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, he did, no, seriously, he did an excellent job in, um, of telling how Jesus opened the eyes of these two disciples as they walked on this long, on this long journey. Um, and he kind of showed that all of Scripture is pointing to the person of Jesus. And then Jesus kind of unpacks that and, and interprets that for the disciples. And we find that now that we know who the crucified and the resurrected Christ is, when we look back in the Old Testament, we can see it's always pointing to this virgin birthed, incarnated, crucified, and risen Christ. And it's just incredible when you look back at um, the scriptures and you begin to see um, how, how, how much it's pointing to Christ. But we also get to see that, that God is most revealed in the crucified um, Christ. So, in other words, if you ever have any idea of who God is and you have any muddleness in your theology, always look to the cross, right? And then you can then look back and interpret all of the scriptures through that lens of a God who would rather lay down his life than to retaliate against those who would hurt him. A God who would take on our ugliness, our sin, the effects of our sin, the penalty of our sin, um, drink the cup of wrath, taste disconnection from God. He would rather do all those things. And when you, and you bring that God, and that perfect image of God, perfectly revealed, most clear revelation of who God is, and you bring that into the Old Testament, then, um, or, any, or any part of Scripture, you begin to realize that it has more clarity. And um, many people who might struggle today with uh, maybe violent acts of God in the Old Testament or just confusing um, morality in the Old Testament, if you bring that God into that place, it could help you. So I just want to exhort you in that. It doesn't really have much to do with what I'm preaching on today. But I do think that... Um, um, I do want to share two things that stuck out on the, on the, the road to Emmaus, that passage just before this, this Luke passage that stuck out to me um, to kind of intro to my talk. One is that in uh, verse 28 of, of chapter 24, Luke says that as the two disciples drew near their destination, that Jesus acted as if he were going to go further on. <laughs> that was pretty striking to me. <laughs> like, I don't know um, what that meant that he was acting like that, but... Um, <laughs> But I do know that when the disciples urge him strongly to stay um, and receive their hospitality, he stays with them. And I think that's really um, a, probably a deeper thought than we, um, a point than we might, we might first catch on about. Um, 
And, it's all, and realized that they did not know it was Jesus. It was only when he broke bread, he supped with them, and he broke bread, that they realized, oh my gosh, it's Jesus, and then he like disappeared. It's like, peace. Um, and the second point about Emmaus is that the disciples um, that were on the road were, were doubting. Um, in verse 21, they express this, but we had hoped that he, speaking of Jesus, was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. There's some mixed language there, right? There's hope. They, they want to believe. They want to believe, but there's this reality of doubt in their hearts. In fact, um, much of, um, as we celebrate this time of, of Easter and um, the, the, the uh, passion of Christ and the, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, we, we begin to, um, in Luke's account, we see a lot of doubt, actually, um, on Jesus' closest friends and followers. And it's really fascinating um, to me. And, um, for example, uh, when the women uh, find out that the tomb is empty and the angels encounter them and they're like, hey, he's gone, uh, they run back to the, to the, um, the other disciples, and, uh, but they don't believe them. They don't believe the women. Um, in Luke 24, 11, uh, it says, These words seemed to the, the other disciples, it seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Um, so Peter and John run to the tomb and to check themselves, and Peter like stoops down in there and sees that it's empty, and, uh, and he's, he says he goes home marveling that it was empty. But I still don't know if he's convinced. Um, then, uh, like we said, the two that are um, going to Emmaus, they join the other group of disciples, and they kind of, they're like swapping resurrection stories. And this is where the, this passage comes in. They're like swapping resurrection stories. They're like, oh my gosh, you don't understand. You don't understand. Jesus met us on the road, and we didn't even know until he broke the bread, and he's resurrected, guys. He's resurrected. And they're like, yeah, he's resurrected indeed. And he's like, they only find out that they were, they too have been wrestling with whether Jesus was resurrected. They're in the middle of talking about this and building up each other's faith, and then Jesus pops into the room, and they're like, <laughs> okay, you imagine like the next sentence after Jesus appears to them, they'd be like, yes, you know? But what it says is, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. It sounds pretty awesome. Um, and their response is, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And what do you think Jesus' response is? Um, well, what would your response be? If you could ask the disciples a question at that time, obviously it's pretty easy, pretty easy for us to like be like, oh, we know that I was the real Jesus. Like, come on. But you might say something like, why are you doubting? Well, that's exactly what Jesus says. He says, why are you troubled and why did doubts arise in your heart? So we know they were still doubting because Jesus called it out in their hearts. Why did doubts arise in your hearts? Can anyone relate to the disciples here? You ever feel like, I don't know, just slow to get it? Do you ever feel like the evidence just isn't convincing your heart like you probably think it should? Or maybe it's convincing other people? Well, apparently, we are in good company because Jesus' closest disciples and friends doubted. And as I was writing, like, the final draft of my um, sermon last night, I just kind of paused after writing that statement. We are in good company. Jesus' closest disciples and friends doubted. And 
I was just overcome with like emotion because I was just thinking about all that Jesus has poured out at this point, all that he has done. And I was just kind of sitting in this reality that Jesus has given us everything. He's giving us overwhelming, overwhelming evidence. He's patiently walked along us and explained to us so much. And yet here we are, the disciples are face to face with Jesus. And doubt is rising up into their hearts. And it's just plastered on their faces. We're face to face with Jesus and he sees doubt in our face. But we have to look at Jesus' response here. And I just want to go over again all that Jesus has done. He sent angels to Mary and Joanna and Mary Magdalene and, and um, other women who were at the tomb. And the angel said, He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you? He must be crucified and on the third day rise. Remember. Later, um, the disciples go to the tomb. He gives them the chance to see the empty grave. I'm pretty sure more than Peter and John visited the tomb after that. He walks along the two disciples at the Emmaus Road, as we mentioned. And again, when he could keep on going, he stays with them a little longer. He stays with them a little longer. And now he appears before them with doubt on their faces, and he continues to show incredible patience and continues to give them evidence. He next offers the scars on his hands and feet, saying, see that it is myself. Touch me and see. He's offering his very self. Um, you know, uh, he then eats fish to show that he's not like an apparition. He's like, I'm not a ghost. I can eat, right? <laughs> like he's going to every extent. Um, you know, uh, a little, a little, um, oh, oh, then, so after he eats the fish, he then does, pulls another Emmaus road, and he begins to open their mind to all the scriptures again, the, the, of the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, and he's like, points again to how all these, all of these uh, writings have, are pointing to him, how all the prophets were, were pointing to him. Um, I remember John was saying, wouldn't that be an amazing sermon? I wish they would have written it down, and, well, they got it twice. They had two opportunities, you know, like, come on. Um, <laughs> And then, um, and then at the same time he says, uh, well, let me just read this to you. Thus, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So because the prophets point to me, this is the case. And then eight days after that, did you know that, um, that Jesus appears again to them in the same manner? And um, this is the story of Thomas and uh, Thomas says, unless I put my finger in his hand and in his side, like, I won't believe. And so Jesus comes to him and he's like, would you like to, you know? Um, so I learned three things from that. One is that the disciples were still gathering, even though there was still doubt among them. They were still open, you know? They still wanted to be convinced that the part of them that desired God, they let that show in, the, in their meeting. And the second thing is that, um, that, there were, that, um, that some of them were strong doubters like Thomas. And third is that um, Jesus is way more patient than I am. So, you know, write that one down in your notes. Okay. Um, isn't it incredible that Jesus offers his side and his hand? I, I just imagine him disrobing. Like, he's becoming even more vulnerable to his disciples. Like, you can, t you can put your finger inside my resurrected body. Like, it doesn't get much more intimate, you know. 
And I guess that Jesus, like, this really put the nail in the coffin for them because when he shows to them the next time they're fishing and they see him on the, on the, uh, the beach and the shore and they, they go to him and Peter, Peter's like all excited. He's like, it's the Lord, you know? But John says this about it in John 20. He's like, none of them dared ask, who are you? Um, but then he adds with this kind of like confidence that only hindsight can give. It's because they knew it was the Lord. But like he doesn't write, no one dared ask, who are you? Unless you had that thought, like I should probably ask if this is really Jesus. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> there's still doubt happening. I mean, Jesus this is like the third time that we know of that Jesus showed himself to the disciples and there's still this part of them. So I really believe that God wants you to know that it's okay to bring your doubt to him. As I was preparing this, I sensed that some of you might have some of the firmer rebukes that Jesus gives kind of rattling around inside your head and that's kind of keeping you in this place of doubt. Um, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus rebukes the two disciples. They don't even know it's Jesus. And he's like, they're like, oh, we hoped it would be the one that, you know, we hoped that he would be the one to save Israel. And he's like, you foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. Right? It's a pretty harsh rebuke if you dwell on it and you turn the volume up on that one statement. It's true that Jesus says other similar things in other parts of Scripture with his disciples. Um, how long do I have to be among you, you unbelieving generation, things like that. You know, those things that, like, it could come across very harsh. But when we consider that against all that Jesus has revealed and done for us to heal our doubt, we can't deny that we really deserve those statements, those firm rebukes, that they're actually appropriate. And they're set against a huge con- con- um, context and backdrop of grace and and him wanting to help and come alongside of us. And also, it's important to note that Jesus doesn't say these, say these things to heap shame on us, but to motivate us to see the sober reality. And so I'm thinking that some of you might have these rebukes like permanently etched in your, in your mind, and they're like, like I said, the volume's like turned up on them. Like you have the equalizer setting, and it's like all the way on rebuke and like none on the grace, you know? <laughs> um, you know, you might have things in your head like, why can't you ever figure it out? Why can't you just believe? Um, will you ever measure up? You see, God doesn't love you, and he never will. These things that, like, pop around in your head, um, I think we've all, if we haven't struggled with that, we know people who, who have. And I believe today that God wants to change the equalizer in our minds and in our hearts. You don't have to listen to those lies any longer. You don't have to be under that heavy taskmaster because they're lies. That's what they are. It's coming from a liar. He wants to change our perspective. It's like you're outside and um, all you hear is like um, cars going whizzing by and you're like, oh my gosh, the noise of the city is so annoying. And, and then you like all of a sudden realize that if you just kind of listen to the ambient sounds that there are, you can still hear tons of birds and the wind is like rushing through the trees and like there's babies laughing in the background. You're like, I was just focused on the wrong noise. It's like those um, magic eye books that like you try really, really hard to see the image in the background and you can't and then all of a sudden you just do and you're like, ah, I got it. <laughs> It's a shift of perception, right? 
Well, I want to share this illustration with you. I hope it speaks to you because um, this is kind of what God was <coughs> showing me and kind of to express his heart of how, what, what I feel like he wanted to share with you today. So I'm just going to read it to you. I hope, I hope it speaks to you. So I want, I want to share this illustration. And um, I want you to imagine a train platform. And um, I feel like what I'm trying to say, it's like a train that's moving very slowly along the platform. And um, if you have the courage, you can just kind of like trot alongside the train and then like throw your bags in and then jump on and it's going to be like a wonderful destination. But then there are those who refuse to get on the train. And I kind of like imagine the character from The Princess and the Pea who like, I don't know, somehow we glorify her as being so sensitive that she could sleep on like a hundred royal mattresses and feel this little pea and like wake up with a sore back. Like, I don't know why we glorify that. But, um, but, but don't be like the princess and the pea ruined over one firm word from Jesus. I imagine the princess is on the platform and she just collapses in a heap surrounded by her many suitcases and crying, the train would just pass me by. It's not stopping. Woe is me. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's like prolonging this outburst, you know, just for the sake of like having a tantrum. And five minutes are going by and this train is still clicking. <laughs> click, clack, click, clack. Train, like, like a p passenger train after passenger train and carriage after carriage waiting for her to simply trust the invitation. <clears throat> And when the people around her explain how it works, and they're like, it's okay, here, let me help you with your bags, she just keeps screaming louder and drowning out all reason. And I imagine if Jesus is on the platform, he would literally go as far to pick her up and carry her on that train, if she would just have the courage to ask, Jesus, I admit, I really do want to be aboard, but I'm scared and I feel abandoned. Would you be kind enough to help? Kind of like the leper in Luke 4 who's like, Jesus, I know you're powerful enough to heal me, but if you're willing, would you? And then I wonder if there's other people on the platform, like the religious leaders. They're like on the other side. And um, they would be walking along, um, and they're like talking to the driver of the train. If this is the true train of salvation, why isn't it stopping and picking up our baggage? This train appears to be made from Nazareth and not Bethlehem. <laughs> How can we be assured it will arrive at the destination of the governmental peace city as laid out in the prophets, or er, brochures? Um, <laughs> meanwhile, the driver explains that they are headed to a much more glorious and wonderful destination, and they first must travel through the land of the suffering servant, and they will arrive in the country of the glorious resurrection, where the peace city is really found. And while they're arguing amongst themselves, the train click-clacks by. In our, um, in our readings today, in Psalm 139, the psalmist says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Do you know that God's in intention toward you and his thoughts toward you are precious? He's not trying to pass you up. He's trying to slow down as much as he can. 
so you can get aboard. And as 855 says, it's an invitation. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. In James, he says that if any of you lack wisdom, if you ask, God will give it to you without any reproach or rebuke. The invitation is here. If we only have the courage. Have you guys ever seen these videos of um, migrant workers or people, and they're on these platforms, and the trains are flying by. They're not click-clacking. They're like, and they throw their luggage and their kids on board, and people are like grabbing them, and they're like, like, you know, grabbing them, like flying through, and somehow they get, get aboard these trains. I mean, they are desperate. They will get on that train because they want to go somewhere where they're going to get out of their mess and they're going to find something with more hope. So what invitations has Jesus been offering to you that maybe you've been blinded to? Have you been declining them unreasonably, throwing tantrums? Maybe Jesus has offered to clean out that room in your heart that's full of bitterness and unforgiveness. Maybe there's a childhood trauma that's really hard for you to revisit, but he's inviting you to go. And this time he'll be there. Maybe you haven't, you aren't quite ready to die to yourself and totally fully become his child and hide hid, hid your life in him. And what are we waiting for, exactly? You know, when the Emmaus fellows um, meet up with the other crew, um, my understanding is that from that point forward, their faith begins to grow. And my understanding is that every disciple except for, um, for John, uh, they died a death um, of uh, persecution. Um, they died for, for sharing their faith and their testimony of, of the risen Christ. I mean, that's a pretty galvanized faith. So we see a doubting people going to the point where they would be tortured and never deny Christ. The transformation is there. God wants to bring it to us. And I just want to, there might be some of you who really, um, you genuinely are, are wrestling with God, and I don't, I don't mean to dismiss that at all. Um, I always said when I was a campus minister um, that those who ask the toughest questions make the best disciples. Um, God doesn't need you to, like, have this blind jump. Um, he, he's willing to just, like, direct you and, and like, even, like, like I said, pick you up. Um, you know, he, at some point, it will be, you will be dying to yourself. You will literally be handing over your life. Make no doubt about it. It will be um, a true commitment. And you'll have to ask yourself, um, how do I know I really believe? How do I know that I've totally given myself to him? And those are good thoughts to wrestle with, but he'll be there to answer them, and so will this community. And so don't hear me wrong, um, but, do, do, but, but if there is a part of you that feels like there's just, you're resisting, um, and again, this isn't just about um, stepping into a relationship with God, it's about stepping into a deeper relationship with God. Um, what are, what are we waiting for? 
Um, I just want to encourage some of you, uh, some, of the, some of the things that are encouraging me, the evidence that I'm seeing today, the invitations I'm seeing today. Did you know that um, physical healing is happening all over the world in the name of Jesus? Um, there's reports of people being raised from the dead, especially in Mexico and Africa, like, like a lot of people. <laughs> um, um, the Holy Spirit gives, uh, is giving a lot of dreams to uh, especially Muslims in, in the Middle East and South Asia, um, people who've never heard the gospel. In fact, we know of somebody who, uh, they grew up in the States, but they were raised Muslim, and she had several dreams when she was young of Jesus. One of them, she was in a sanctuary, and she looked, she was walking toward a statue. She didn't know it was Jesus. She just saw this person. She was drawn to them, and she looked back, and she had dirty footsteps all over this beautiful carpet. And, um, and then she had other dreams. And when she told them to, I think it was her cousin, they interpreted for, for her, like, that's Jesus. And she began to, like, you know, get curious about this person, Jesus. And she's come to the Lord, and she has, like, an incredible ministry, actually. Um, did you know that uh, I heard recently Iran is home of the fastest-growing church country of Iran? It's in, it's in um, war-torn places that people need real hope, Right? And that's where Jesus stands, ready to offer eternal hope. Um, I challenge you, if you've not wrestled with God's word, it stands up to the, the greatest textual criticism. Um, that it, it, uh, it stands as a historically accurate document. It, um, it, it's full of, of uh, pr- fulfilled prophecies that never could have happened unless, unless God ordained them. And, and uh, it, It's an incredible, incredible piece of evidence. And just look around. Look at the people that God has put in your life. Um, look at the people here willing to share testimony, be an eyewitness of what God has done in their life. There's evidence all around us. And so I just, uh, I encourage you today, get on the train, whatever that means for you. Um, Jesus stands to stay a little longer. If you think he's ready to move on, just say, will you stay a little longer? And he's ready. And I'm going to ask Sean to stay here and, uh, and ask Ashley to come up. And uh, whoever's leading prayer, if you could just get ready, we'll go straight from this to, to the prayers of the people. Um, Mike, could I have you come up? And, and Peter, uh, I'd really love to pray for Sean and Ashley. They're um, living down in Stewart, which I had to go on map, you know, Google Maps to figure out where that is. It's like a little bit north of um, Fort Lauderdale. Um, but I think they're just kind of also a little bit at a crossroads of what the Lord is calling them to. Mm. Uh, were you blessed by Sean's ministry among Amen. us this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, Ashley is an amazing disciple as well, and, and uh, I, I encourage you to, to go get prayed for by them. But um, I'd really love to pray for them and for their family and ask uh, the Lord's guidance. Ask for wisdom, right? Uh, and the Lord will give it without rebuke um, for them and their ministry. So here you come together. <laughs> Jesus, we praise you for um, your beloved disciples, Sean and Ashley, and uh, for what you've done in them so far and for what you're going to do. Um, And we just proclaim the truth that you don't waste anything in their lives, Um, that all that you've done so far and all that you're going to do will be woven into like a beautiful history. And so we thank you, Lord. of the truth of the words that you spoke this morning, we sung this morning, that you're never going to let us down. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Lord, we pray in the midst of this kind of like, where are you taking us, Lord, that, uh, that you would be right there with them, and when they bid you stay a little longer, <laughs> that um, you would make, make their way straight. Lord, we thank you so much for our brother and sister and the way that you have united them, their partnership, Lord, the ways that you use them. And we just have confidence that you're going to continue to do that <laughs> in their lives, wherever they are, Lord. Um, I thank you that um, you're always with us here, and you're also already wherever we would go. <laughs> um, and I just pray that you would... Um, in Jesus' name, that you would um, just get rid of any doubt in them, Lord, um, in trusting you. I thank you for their children. I thank you for justice and banner and the ways that you use children to bring up hope in us and trust in us. They, they're just such a great picture of that, and I pray that um, through them that, that they would be able to see... Um, you, Jesus, mm -hmm. that, that Sean and Ashley would see you as, as their children, um, see them, mm -hmm. God, just the way that they have trust in them. Um, yeah, God, and, and I just pray for just today um, that you would give them the words to say, the clarity, the wisdom um, to pray for whoever needs prayer, Lord, in this room. Um, and just by using them today, to, to revealing your face to them today and the ways that you can use them today, that it would give them a hope for the future. Yes. And Father, we ask your protection over them and their sons, yes. mm -hmm. um, over justice and over banner, Lord. We ask for physical protection for them, Lord. We ask for spiritual protection mm -hmm. um, from the voice of the liar. Lord, help them to come closer together by all drawing closer to your son, Jesus. And Lord, we ask that you go before them, be above them, be beside them, be their rear guard. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.